You're listening to the Northwestern Campus Ministry Podcast from Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Northwestern Campus Ministry exists to send students out as those rooted, built up, and established in Christ for God's glory and for the sake of the world. Thanks for listening and enjoy this recent message from our Christian Formation Program. Everyone, happy Friday. It's always so good to be here with you today. It really is the favorite part of my job is to get to spend time with all of you. And I would say probably the two, some of my two favorite places to do that are right here in the chapel and at the monthly Engage events that I host. So those of you who are new to Northwestern probably don't know much about Engage, but it's a monthly discussion slash lecture series on matters of faith that are important in your lives. So this year's theme is friends and family. And so I thought it made sense for me today, since Engage is starting on Tuesday next week, to kind of kick off the Engage year right here in the chapel and focus on the relationship between faith and family. Now, I know that most of you don't have families yet, but pretty much you're all from families, and some of you may be missing those families quite a bit today. And most of you are interested in eventually finding partners and building families so it's important to think about how your, the love, your love for Christ fits with the love of family. On a personal level, I have been thinking about matters of faith and family for a long time. My own story includes becoming a single parent at age 19, getting married four years later, enduring 10 years of secondary infertility before adopting our second daughter, and then having a surprise baby at age 37. For most of those family-building years, I was also teaching and writing on faith and family. In fact, something that you probably don't know about me is way back in 2009, I wrote articles for Christianity Today and the New York Times about the, re- the faith of the reality TV family profiled in TLC's John and Kate Plus Eight. So yes, these issues of family and faith are near and dear to my heart. But to prepare for this message, I didn't go back to my lecture notes or consult those articles I wrote all those years ago, but instead I engaged in a little bit of pop culture research by walking through a Hobby Lobby and by going online and looking at family-themed home decor. I chose this research method because I do think that the things that we buy and particularly those things that adorn our homes, reveal something about our philosophy of family as a society. So, what did I find? First, I found that there are countless ways in which faith and family are matched together and then linked up with some other thing that we find meaningful in our lives, especially if that thing also begins with the letter F. So here, faith and family stand along friends. Here they're matched up with freedom. Here, faith, family, and football go hand in hand. Now, what do these images reveal about our beliefs? They disclose that we think that faith and family fit together neatly, that there's rarely any tension between the two, and that strengthening one will inevitably strengthen the other. But here's the problem. If we dig into the Word of God, And if we look honestly at our own lives, we see that it's really not that simple. Sometimes, instead of pointing us toward God, our family functions as a little D-devil 
in our life, pulling us away. On the opposite side, sometimes family functions as a little G God in our life, holding a place in our heart that belongs to Christ alone. In both instances, faith and family don't fit as well as we'd like to think or as that home decor implies. So let's delve into these realities and consider ways in which family can be a barrier to faith. Here at Northwestern, we often wrongly assume that everyone comes from loving, intact Christian families. But the reality is that some of you come from families that are ambivalent or even hostile toward faith. Others of you come from families marked by dysfunction, abandonment, and even neglect and abuse. If you have been hurt by your family, your relationship with God the Father is likely a complicated one. Christian writer Jonathan C. Edwards, whose father abandoned his family, reflects on his own complicated relationship with faith and family. He writes, I was 25 years old before I could say the word father while praying. The word was foreign to me. It was gibberish. It didn't roll off my tongue the way it did for many of my Christian friends. In one regard, it meant nothing. In another regard, it meant a world of things. It meant broken things, scary things, hurtful things. For some of you in this room, Edward's struggle to trust God the Father hits home because it is your struggle. Like him, you know that family can be a barrier to faith, a kind of devil who whispers in your ear, God cannot be trusted. But here's the good news. Family is flawed, but God is faithful. The Psalms refer to God as the father of the fatherless. The prophets remind us that God is most near the orphan, the abandoned, and the hurting. Though you may feel unseen or misunderstood by your earthly family, the Old Testament reminds us that God sees his children and is faithful to them. But it is Jesus' life that quite literally puts flesh on these promises. When Jesus refers to God the Father, he's not only referring to his Father, but to ours. In his ministry, he teaches us one prayer, and it begins with the words, Our Father. Our Father. The Apostle Paul expands on this idea in Romans 8.15 when he writes, So you have not received a spirit that makes you a slave to fear. Instead, you received God's spirit, when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. As Mark shared in his sermon last week, Abba means Papa or Daddy and speaks to a God who knows us and loves us intimately, a parent who can be trusted, a God who saves. If you are someone whose vision of faith has been blurred by your earthly family, I invite you to set your eyes on the Abba who loves you and who has called you his own. When you do so, 
you'll begin to see, the, see your family through the image of God rather than God through the image of your family. And you will begin the slow and admittedly difficult process of untethering your hope from your hurt. Thankfully, many of you can't relate to the experience of those who have been hurt by their families because your family has mostly been a stable and supportive one that has helped rather than hindered your faith in God. My own parents, who are now deceased, were far from perfect, but they did nurture me in the faith. My dad, in particular, was rich in love and slow to anger, making it easy for me to trust in a God who has the same attributes. Unfortunately, that's not the case for all of you. But we know that for those of us who have had experiences like me, it's easy to think then that faith and family fit together seamlessly, as those home decor items suggest. For us, the risk uh, is not to look at family as a little d devil, but as a little g God, to place our love for our parents and our significant others and our children ahead of our love for Christ. Indeed, when asked in 2018 about the most meaningful aspect of their lives, 40% of Americans answered family, while only 20% answered faith. Even among believers, the majority place faith over family, oh sorry, family over faith as sources of meaning. To return to my home decor theme, many Christians hold to the view that family is above everything, or that family is everything, or that our boyfriend or our girlfriend or our husband or our wife or our child is our whole world. Now, don't get me wrong. It is right to cherish our loved ones, but the problem comes when we pin all our hopes and our dreams on them or on their approval. When we do this, We make something good into something ultimate. We make family an idol, a kind of substitute for God. Now, what are some examples of this problem? In my 20 plus years of working with college students, I've seen many who think that if they just find their future mate, that their life will be complete. So everything they do is aimed at that goal rather than at following God's will for their lives. I've also seen plenty of students who know that they are the source of their parents' whole sense of meaning. They're terrified that if they don't achieve on the field or in the classroom or get that dream job or get into that top graduate school, that they'll devastate their families. In my own life, It's easy to make my kids the center of my world and to put their happiness or their achievement ahead of everything else in life, including my faith. Just this week, I ran across this article in The Atlantic describing how parents now invest so heavily in their kids' development that they have no time for friendships or for one another. Although The Atlantic is not a religious magazine, I was struck that even they used religious language to describe this phenomenon. Parents are sacrificing at the altar. In other words, they're making idols 
of their kids. As a parent, I totally get this temptation and have at times been guilty of it myself. So what happens to us when we are made the idol or when we make an idol out of another human being? The result is we will constantly disappoint or be disappointed. Our deepest longings and our need for meaning can never be met by another human being, but only by God himself. And God can't be second. This is why we are commanded to have no other gods before him. Indeed, Jesus' teachings repeatedly point us away from from the idolization of our earthly families and toward a focus on loving him first. In Matthew 10.37, he makes the startling claim that one who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. With these words, he is calling us to reorder our loves and to prioritize following him above all else. But beyond simply reordering our loves, he's also calling us to expand them. At various points in the gospel, he points us to this broader view of family, to seeing our primary family as the Christian community, the body of Christ. Matthew 12, 46 to 50 includes a revealing exchange between Jesus and his own family. It reads, While he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak with you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, I don't know about you, but if my son did this to me, I would not be very happy. And I'm guessing Mary might not have been very happy either. As a Jew, Jesus had been raised to follow the commandment to honor your father and your mother and was nurtured in a faith that was passed on through family bonds. So why is Jesus dissing his family and claiming that whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is part of his family? Pastor Andrew Bunt argues that the point of this passage is not that we should reject our biological or nuclear families. He reminds us that Jesus himself doesn't do this. In fact, he was still caring for his mother even as he was dying. But it means that if we are followers of Jesus, we're part of a new family. And this new family puts our existing families in their place. So what does it mean to put family in its place? It means seeing the category of family as bigger than biological connection. Anyone who follows Jesus is our brother or our sister. So those sitting next to you today are your brothers and your sisters, your extended family in Christ. It also means loving our immediate family members as they are meant to be loved, not as our possessions or as our primary purposes for living, but as gifts from God. Throughout the Bible, God gifts his children with with loved ones and children and friends and partners to show his steadfast love. When we see our loved ones as gifts, 
Family and romance has a purpose beyond itself. Our love for them points us to the giver himself, whose love is deeper than anything we experience in this world and deeper than anything we can imagine. So the next time you encounter faith and family home decor, remember that though the relationship between the two is more complicated than what may be expressed on a wall or on a piece of wood, that faith and family can go together if family is put in its place, if family is put in service to faith. They are rightly ordered only when our earthly loves point us to our everlasting Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, give us the strength to make you first in our hearts. For those who have been hurt by their families, please heal their hurt and turn their hearts toward you. For those who are tempted to make idols of their families or significant others, help them to see their loved ones as gifts from you. And may each of us gathered here today find in this community a place in your bigger family. May the imperfect love we give and we receive point us to your love that never fails. In your name we pray. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>